Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Bannering in the Blue Shirts. As always, I'm Tom Merch Jr. I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Murphy. And, Mike, do you like surprises? I, I depends. Generally, no. I have anxiety disorder, Tom. And you know that, you son of a bitch. I don't want well, a surprise. Well, some surprises <laughs> are good. <laughs> I just completely disarmed the, you and ruined you the did. show. You did. You, you caught me off guard seconds. a little bit. Tom, I've had a long day, as you know, as we chatted about before the show began. I've been working like a lunatic today. And but the Rangers... The uh... Isn't that the worst when you have a lift where it smells like cigarette smoke? It just... Uh, I'm sorry. I've derailed the show twice now in 45 seconds. Everyone, I'm aware of what I've done. Uh, I'm not proud of it, but this is how I'm starting 2020. <laughs> Happy New Year, everyone, by the way. <laughs> That's a good point. Happy New Year, everyone. Um, Tom, just, just take the show. I'll be quiet for the next 30 minutes. I'm sorry. <laughs> ruined it all. Nah, it's fine. So, the Rangers called up Igor Shashurkin today, uh, yesterday, by the time that you're listening to this. And it's an uh, interesting bit of news. And I think the we were going to talk about Igor regardless on this podcast because he was named the uh, NHL All-Star alongside uh, Joey Keane. But, yeah, now he's on the team. He's going to start in goal for the Rangers against the Colorado Avalanche. And, yeah, Mike, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Is it Are we settled on, is it Czar Igor or Prince Igor, Count Igor? What are we doing for Igor? See, that's tough because some people are calling him the Prince. Some people are calling him Czar. Uh, yeah, I think both. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm conflicted about which direction. I like Czar, but then it's also, what do you call Georgie, knowing that he's probably the most likely to go bye-bye? Like, you know, the exiled? I like that, kind of. Um, yeah. The deposed. <laughs> yeah, let's go with Czar for now, but it's, it's obviously a big deal. At first, it seemed like the Rangers may have called up uh, Igor because Hank was dealing with the flu, but we heard... Uh, subsequently that this is not necessarily health related this is uh igor's getting the call up tom of course they're going to start igor shesterkin against the most dangerous offense in the league the colorado avalanche which is i baptism guess baptism by fire <laughs> that's one way to do it right just best of luck kid uh, go out there and make us proud just unbelievable uh you know against nathan mckinnon who in my opinion should win the heart and what does he have? 64 points? Yeah, uh, pretty good. He has twice as many points as Colorado's second highest scorer. Of course, that's influenced quite a bit by uh, and missing some time with injury. But um, yeah, it's obviously a big deal. We've been waiting for this. And Igor has been, you know, as you and I have talked about, uh, you know, for the, you know, now we're halfway through the season. Hard to believe. But as we've talked about for the first half of the year, like one of the, like there's been a couple great, shining silver linings right like Panarin so good Adam Fox everything's going well like there's a couple things that are great and arguably the most important one is Igor and how much he has lived up to expectations in terms of what we want to see out of him in the AHL we talked about like we need him to look good in the AHL and he's looked dominant in the AHL at the time of his call-up Tom the second highest save percentage in the American Hockey League, which is extraordinary for a guy who's just adapting to the smaller rink. And, like, the quote I read is, 
you know, he likes the smaller ice surface. He likes facing more shots and uh, against Colorado, playing behind the Rangers' defense, he's going to see plenty of shots. So good luck, kid. Um, I know he's not a kid, kid. You know, he's you know uh, an elder prospect, I guess you could say. But he's about to make his NHL debut, and like you said, trial by fire. It'll be fun. Yeah, he. It's sort of a situation of you know, happy. You know, be careful uh, for what you wish for, and. In many ways, I look at it from the perspective of not as a sort of like conspiracy theory thing, but what has been mentioned is that Igor has his European assignment clause, and at one point or another, you would have expected him to get an opportunity, and putting him against a team like the Avalanche in his first game is going to be you know, it's a big test. This is not starting him against a team like the Red Wings who are not great this year, where it would be a game that he wouldn't face a lot of activity. This is one of the better teams in the league and a team that a few are picking to win the Stanley Cup. So I think what was interesting about Quinn's availability after practice is they're taking this day-by-day approach. So if things were not to go well uh, against the Avalanche, it would then give Quinn a perspective of, okay, you know, we evaluated sort of how he was at. Um, We'll see when he starts next. And then if he weren't to play well, they may go back to him and say, you know what, we saw some things that we liked, but you need a little more time in Hartford. Um, I think that's something that we had talked about a little bit going back with prospects like Kraftsoff and Anderson, where it's, you know, you have these players who they maybe they feel that they're beneath the AHL or they really want to play in the NHL, and you can only keep them away for so long. But if you give them that opportunity and they don't uh, live up to the expectations, at least you can say, hey, we tried. You know, have faith in us. Give give it a little more time down there, and then before you know it, you'll be be a regular. So uh, I'm very interested to see how he does. I'm interested to see how the defense in front of him performs. Uh, if they're going to be a little more cautious, if they're going to be a little more aware of the chances they take. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting experience that we're all gonna. Uh, see live on, on NBC. It just feels like all of these games that have notable players making their debut, it's not on MSG. So it's uh, just funny how that works out. Yeah, I'm curious if we'll see the defense play the way it does in front of Hank, where it's just like, oh yeah, Hank, here's uh, eight odd man rushes to deal with because you're you and we're going to take chances. Um, it's one of the funniest trends of this season. Uh, you know, I was looking at you know, a lot of kind of mid-season grades and, you know, where people rank the Rangers as a whole and also, you know, uh, publications like The Athletic, uh, you know, we're cooking cooking stuff at the banner. Unfortunately, we right now at BSB, we have like a, a lot of people simultaneously going through a lot right now in life, uh, you know, with other work. So we're doing our best to turn out content, but, you know, it's the middle of the season, the doldrums and to be honest, like it completely snuck up on me that we're at the midway point of the season, like uh, two weeks ago. I was like, really? Already? But uh, what I was saying is, looking at all that, like it, it strikes me as funny that some people are kind of down on Hank this year when, uh, 
you know, he's been, in my opinion, a little more consistent than Georgiev. And frankly, you know, most of the underlying numbers say that he's better because the defense plays worse when he's in net, which is uh, always never really ceases to amaze me that the team kind of, I guess they feel like they can open up or just stop trying or I don't know. But uh, I hope uh, for Shesterkin's sake that he gets a very long leash, um, especially against a team like Colorado, who it's worth noting, Tom, that they're like, I think they're tied for 14th in the power play, but they're the most potent team just in terms of goals per game, which means that uh, their even strength offense is quite a force. And it goes without saying that the Rangers even strength five on five. Not good, Tom. Uh, that is how I would describe it. If we're doing grades for the offense as a whole, I mean, the defense as a whole, just not good. Five on five play, not good. Um, but here we are. We're about to have Igor Shosturkin debut. And it's crazy that technically he's the first Russian-born goalie uh, who will start a game with the Rangers, which just seems crazy to me Like uh, that that is the case. But here we are. Yeah, it's it's certainly interesting uh, times, and he's going to get his opportunity to play on the bright lights uh, of Broadway, and you know, very much looking forward to it. To pivot gears, um, we'll we'll talk about Igor a little bit more on on the mailbag. Um, I saw you know peaked at bannering points. There were a couple of people who had questions about Igor and what it means for the rest of the roster in terms of the goalies, um, but we'll park that for a little bit. You mentioned midseason grades. Uh, the Rangers have played 41 games. They'll play their 42nd game tomorrow uh, against Colorado. And like you said, you know, it's people are assigning grades. So I thought it would be a good idea um, looking at things from the perspective of very simple scale, you know, A, B, C, D, so on and Keep so it forth. Simple. Let, let the folks pick the plus and minuses, I say. Yeah, keep it simple and clean, and really, I think the like you were saying before the show, like the best way to do this is just like who do we think has had an A first half? Who do we think has had a B and a C? And I, I should note how I want us to throw in uh, Quinn and uh, maybe just the coaching staff in general and Gordon um, because I feel the need Tom to revisit the Nemestikov trade because no one talks about it. And it just stands out as such a terrible, dumb, dumb handling of an asset. Anyway, take it away with the rest of the explanation. Yeah, so we'll pretty much just go, all right, you know, we'll go through the A's, the B's, the C's, so on and so forth. Um, because that's really the best way to do it. Because you can split hairs of, oh, he should be a B plus and you made him an A minus. Well, it's if you're in either camp you're pretty much doing pretty good. You know, we're not college professors. We're not calculating your grade point average. Um, You could be a college professor. You have, you have a professorial look. Why? Thank you. Maybe I will be one day. Uh, You know, maybe I'll, I think you need to dress better, but yeah, in many respects I do. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's something I'm aware of for, 2020 you know sort you of and i dress the same that's why i'm giving you shit because no it's it's I've a seen f- you dress in like three ways and all of it involves a pair of jeans and like a short sleeve buttoned up collared shirt which is a it's a classy goddamn look tom you look like a nice a nice sweet christian boy but i want to see you wear like a like a studded bracelet and that leather necklace that has spikes around it you know really 
I want to see you wear like a nose piercing that is a chain that goes to uh, your ear, like one of those deals. Which honestly just seems like a hazard. It seems like an unnecessary risk to take. But I want—I don't know. I'd like to see the goth, goth Tomerts. That's what I want. That's my—that's my New Year's resolution: is to uh, chloroform you and dress you up as a goth boy against your will. By the end of the year, it'll happen. We'll see. Maybe maybe that's a Halloween costume uh, waiting to happen. Um, so we'll see. Uh, nine and months from now. Help with that bear. That bear and I are going to chloroform the shit out of you and drag you into the woods. So, Mike, <laughs> I figured we start off. Tom with... is still figuring out how to deal with Loopy Mike, folks, and it's it's. I don't know if it's entertaining to you guys. Frankly, I love it. And really, at the end of the day, I'm very very much in this for me. So. Uh, Go ahead, Tom. <laughs> I figured we start with the A's. Let's go on a positive note. Um, yeah, start start in a happy land. I like that idea. If, and it's going to be a pretty small group, I think. Yeah, it's a small group. Um, if I were to include, you know, in no particular order, it would be Artemi Panarin. You'd have Mika Zibanejad. You'd yep, have yep. Adam Fox. I'm glad uh, you said Adam Fox. Because um, Carp didn't have Adam Fox as an A. I think he had him as a B minus? Or I forget what it was, but I was like, how do you not call that kid an A? Good grief. And then I'd also have uh, Tony D'Angelo as my last A, because I feel if you're looking at players in terms of what they've done in terms of production, what they've done uh, in terms of expectations, you you really can't ask of any more out, out of most of these players. Uh, it's been incredible what they've done and there are some other players who i would have loved to include um yeah i wanted to ask you that actually i i want to hear your case against philip hedel as an a so i feel hedel has been good he's been okay um i feel like when he came back up he had a hot start and it sort of fizzled out a bit although some of that has been how they've messed with the lines whether it's Zibanejad coming back and then okay is, is Strom going to be a winger is Strom going to be a center uh right now Hedl is settled in on the third line uh the diaper line which I don't really like that nickname because all I Can think about is get rid of that nickname for the love of god it's like there. what does it mean the diaper lines so that they're you know they shit their pants in their own end like <laughs> no it's they're babies Tom that's why they're the diaper line why can't we call it I don't know the kid line or the future line anything that ev- like evokes an image other than a sagging diaper full of fecal matter I don't know um, not to mention there are people in the world who suffer from incontinence time adults who wear diapers and frankly I find that insensitive in the modern day yeah and it's uh, there's a lot better nicknames you can have for hockey so um, other name I would have pushed to have in the A's is Buchnevich. Um, although Ooh, you would put Buch in the A's. So if you look at it from a perspective of expected goals, you look at um, you know relative uh, possession. He's done a pretty good job. Um, he's pretty much done everything but score since December. I tweeted this out yesterday. While he hasn't 
um, found the score sheet as often. He's been among the team leaders in expected goals for percentage, uh, you know, Corsi for percentage. So he's doing the things that you want. He's just not been rewarded for them. So that's where I, I sort of have him on the outside looking in. Uh, is there anyone that you'd have in the A's that I didn't name or someone I did that you'd kick out? That's tough. I I hear your case for Booch. I think I move him into the B category. Um, and I think if we're talking, this is the thing that always hangs me up with these. I like to grade players based on what their expectation was for their role and like what they're expected to do versus like what we perceived they are. Like, for example, it should come as no surprise that I'm not going to give Jacob Truba an A. Uh, based on what he was expected to do. Whereas someone like Mika Zibanejad was, you know, we all were hoping he'd be the first line center and establish himself as that. And, you know, maybe heading into the season, some people had him pegged more as like a 1B, but, you know, he's crushed that expectation. He's, he's lived up to everything we hoped he would be, even with the injury. So he's like a natural A. So I think... I'm sure I'm gonna, a lot of people will roll their eyes at this, but I think you can make a case, Tom, that based on the expectation, if we're just looking at a guy who is fit onto, you know, onto a line and has exceeded what we expected, you could say that Ryan Strom might deserve an A. Yeah, I mean, the way I look at it, though, is for all he's done well offensively, He's been a shit show defensively, so I feel like... 100%. I agree. Those two things sort of counteract each other yeah. and puts him... I wouldn't, like, put him as a C. Um, but here's my thing. Like, I expected him to be inadequate defensively because I remember when I first wrote an article about, you know, when the Rangers first made the trade, uh, Spooner uh, for Strom. I know it's, it's one of those things, like, how did Ryan Strom become a Ranger? How did he find himself... You know, in a featured role in the offense. It's kind of crazy to think how we got here. Um, you know, considering the time that's passed since, like, you know, where the hell is this guy coming from? And now it's gotten to the point where, like, there's some scuttlebutt about, like, do the Rangers keep this guy? Um, but, like, I expected him to not... I knew what he was. I didn't think he would be able to, you know, just kind of pass himself off and play up to playing with a guy like Panarin, because here's the thing, I know a lot of people are saying, of course, you know, you, you put, you know, a telephone booth with Artemi Panarin, it's going to pick up some points, but it does take skill to click with a guy like that. We've seen a lot of players play with really skilled guys on the Rangers, I don't think we've had a forward of Panarin's caliber um, in a very long time, uh, which goes that saying, I mean, uh, at, at the top of the week, I pointed out that I think Panarin was leading the league in five and five on five scoring, which playing on <laughs> playing for this team and doing that is just batshit crazy that he's able to do that. Uh, to be frank, like it's if the Rangers were like Tom, if the Rangers were a playoff team this year, Panarin would be in the heart like conversation. Oh, hundred percent. Just he is the offense. He is the team. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy how good he is but i to get to the connection to strom like i do think he deserves a nod for finding a way to 
you know, work with Panarin successfully. I, just because of the defensive defensive deficiencies, and frankly, he did have that scoring drought uh, before he picked it up in the last couple of weeks. Like, I think you could put him in a B and not have to think about it too much longer, but I don't know. Like I, I said a couple of weeks ago, I think I said it for the first time, I didn't catch too much shit for it, that I was kind of warming to Ryan Strom just because it's not the numbers, it's just watching him play. I'm like, you know what, he makes some fine plays little skilled plays the defensive coverage and what he does when he doesn't have the puck is enough to make you cry and he can't skate very well but Tom I don't know he seems to know I don't know if it's just a a question of you could put anyone with Panarin or he just seems to know how to read Panarin and and be where he needs to be but he deserves some credit so I would say he shouldn't be anything lower than a B um but I think I I would also put Bucinevich as a B. I understand your case, but I think he it's it's so tough with Booch for a litany of reasons. But I feel like we've already talked about so many like so many of those reasons already of how he can be a frustrating guy to cheer for and to pull for and to hope develop. But I don't know. The underlying numbers on him are great, and when you watch him play. You're just like, why can't he just always play with skilled guys? Why, why does David Quinn insist on fucking with that? But yeah, I would say those are two guys who I might put on the fringe. And again, I know I'll get I'll get some some grief and crap for for singing Strom's praises a little bit, but I gotta say he's he's exceeded my expectations. I don't think he's a guy you want here as your second line center. Don't get me wrong, but I didn't see Ryan Strom doing this this year. Did you? No, I didn't see him doing this it, but it's tough because if you look at what he did with the Rangers last year yeah and then you figure okay he's doing that and he's also playing with Artemi Panarin so it's it like, like a power up speed boost sort of yeah, thing yeah what was we one show we looked at it it was like Josh Anderson um, no 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 it was Cam it was Cam Atkinson who had like like of course, like he broke that goal drought he had when the Rangers played uh, the Blue Jackets, but naturally, but yeah, just, that's just the way it works. Is especially when anyone mentions it. If Sam Rosen mentions that a player is struggling, you can bet your ass he's going to have a hat trick um, at the Rangers' expense. Especially if he's any if he was born in Connecticut or New York or New Jersey, anywhere in the tri-state area, the guy's going to have the game of his life. It's if it's at Madison Square Garden, but like. I don't know. I remember we were talking about like the difference of Atkinson with Panarin versus without, and like it doesn't take a, a rocket scientist to connect the dots of like if Strom didn't have Panarin, he wouldn't have this season, and that goes without saying. I I think the more I think about it, I'm like, yeah, I'll just put him as a B. I just thought for the sake of controversy, I wanted to sprinkle him into the uh, the borderlands of like an A minus. A B plus guy, but I think in a realistic world, I would give Ryan Strom a B minus and not think about it. Um, let, let's just because I we ended up talking about Ryan Strom for ten minutes or whatever the hell it was. How about I fill in the rest of the B's and then you can give me your commentary on it? Sure. Okay. Now hear me out, Tom. Uh, I already told you I have Booch and Strom in there. Mm-hmm. Um. I really don't know how to grade. This guy, even though I love him, I'm just going to put Jesper Fast as a B. I don't want to think about it. Yes, Fast. I had him out as a B, too. Okay. 
again, that's nothing against sweet little Jesper Fast, but he's just one of those guys where he just looks like he's doing what he's supposed to do. I know what the numbers are, just like, all right, yeah, it would be nice if he had, you know, some more goals or if he was playing an appropriate role, but it is what it is with Jesper Fast. And then we both agree Fox and D'Angelo are A's. And now I almost just want to throw this in, like, I'll give Chris Kreider a B, but it's a B heavily fueled by his recent play. Um, because I would say, if you asked me that question like three weeks ago, I would say he would be a C. Um, but I give Kreider like a begrudging B. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't think there's another forward I would give a B to, Tom. And here's the thing. I don't think there's another forward, I mean, another defenseman I would give a B to other than Ryan Lindgren. See, I struggle with that because it's it's a complicated issue, and he's a very, it's a hot-button issue, opinions hot people have about Brady Shea. And my contention is this. On the left side, for the most part, it's pretty much Brady Shea and Brady Shea alone. And what I mean by that is, as well as Lindgren has played all things considered, he's still young he still has limited nhl experience so you can't rely on him you have mark stahl who they rely on for the wrong reasons but that leaves shea shouldering the load for the most part on the left side and we may have realized now that he's not going to be that top pairing guy and who knows that can change but can definitely change yeah, they don't have any other options. If they had another legitimate top four left-handed defenseman, I think that would help Shea tremendously. Because you look at the right side, they have a litany of options. They can deploy Truba, they can deploy Fox, they can deploy D'Angelo, depending on the situation, depending on the score. Um, yeah, the right side and left side are truly night and day in terms of... yeah, Not even just like the lineup now, from the organizational standpoint. like We didn't... You know, we knew we were going to talk mid-season. I don't know if we'll have time for World Juniors, but one of the best defensemen at the World Juniors, Tom, was Nils Lundqvist. Yeah, he, on he the right side. He was amazing, and he's on the right side. What are they yeah. going to do, Tom? Yeah, I mean, my crazy idea um, is you move Smith back to left defense. You make Tony D'Angelo already. a winger. D'Angelo a winger? What the hell are you doing? Because he's pure, he's pretty much offensive-minded. He's a great skater. He likes going to the net and joining the rush. That seems like something's natural for him. I mean, that you would be... You mean you lost me. <laughs> well, that's the that's sort of like the, the crazy idea you know, that'll never happen. The more realistic idea is you try him out on the left side and see what happens. Yeah, that's, that's the... Because my anxiety with moving the intro to the wing is you could put a giant hole through his trade value. Um, and frankly, you could make a contract negotiation with him that much more painful, especially for a guy who has arbitration rights. Like, well, yeah. It's not going to be easy or fun for the Rangers to negotiate any contract with uh, Not at all. Um, but, you know, it, you look at Truba, you look at Fox, I don't think you want to move Fox to, the, to his offhand. Uh, you know, to play the left side because he's a, you know, he's a rookie. 
Um, and I think it would be a weird message to send to him that, hey, kid, you're doing so well that we're going to throw another curveball at you. I think that would be a bad idea. Whereas I think from a public relations standpoint and a media standpoint, moving Truber to the left side would be a disaster. Uh, oh, I yeah. I don't know if that would weigh into the decision or the, the front office and their decision-making process, but D'Angelo was the one that makes the most sense, much like you know, before the Rangers went down the path they went on, I was advocating for Kevin Shattenkirk on the left side. Why not? Um, you know, in, in my opinion, you could have still done this team, um, you know, with, you know, you could have still done this team with Shattenkirk on the left side. He's had a good oh, you couldn't have. You know, he's, what, he's not doing well in Tampa, is he? No, you know, he's terrible in Tampa. He's in got game almost 30 game. points, you know. You yeah, don't need that. He looks like Kevin Shattenkirk, uh, which is the least surprising thing in the world to me. With um, a functioning knee. Go yeah. figure. Yeah, who, who would have thunk? You know, I wanted to... Was there one other guy? Um, you know, but I will say this, Tom. You, There is a very good case for Shea belonging in B territory. And mm-hmm. I think the point you made about the burden he carries is an important one. I, the reason I put Lindgren in there is not because I'm particularly high on Lindgren. I don't think he'll ever be anything more than a third-pair defenseman. But I put Lindgren as a B because, frankly, I still remember when the Rangers acquired him in the Rick Nash trade that also brought over Ryan Spooner, who turned into Ryan Strom. Um, when the Rangers acquired Lindgren, I did some reading on him. I tried to watch him a little bit or watch what I could of him. And my takeaway was this is a guy from the 1980s NHL. He wasn't a great skater. He was like all character and his highlight reels consisted only of hits. And I was like, that's not the sort of defenseman the Rangers should be getting. Truculence, pugnacity, physicality, grit. Yeah, it's like, is that the sort of... Here's the thing you have. This always fascinates me. I don't need to give us yet another tangent. But like... How are you supposed to find those players? Because I don't want to trade for them, because that means I'm giving things up for them. And I don't necessarily want to draft them, especially after, let's say, like, the fourth round. Like, I, I want to maybe find guys like that, you know, those those grinder, you know, role players, but later in the draft. But yeah, I don't know. I, I have to give Lindgren credit. Like, before, you know, before he was called up to the Rangers, he, he looked pretty solid in Hartford and you know on a very bad defense he has looked you know the underlying his underlying numbers are atrocious I should make that clear they're not good um but in terms of what I expected out of him I mean he's fine he's an in my opinion he's an AHL level defenseman playing the NHL right now but he could look so much worse on this defense Tom yeah Um, and like you said he's part of that the reason the left side's a mess but Keep in mind, this was a guy who didn't make the team out of training camp. He's only here because Libor's hurt. Uh, and, you know, I should mention, I think I, you might, this might be a cop-out, but I don't want to grade Libor Hayek. I just... I incomplete. Just, yeah, I think he's, we can call him an incomplete. Um, but was, I don't think we had anyone else in the Bs for forwards and D, but I put both goalies at a B. Yep. That, that I had both goalies as a B. Um, yeah. 
and and to briefly answer your question from before in terms of where you find players like Lindgren, I think you can find them while you're checking in on your own prospects because I feel like point. That's a great point. I mean, that's the Dan Girardi example. No, like they're looking at Ryan story. Yeah. Looking at Ryan Callahan and Oh, here's Dan Girardi. Yeah. Who the hell's that guy? You know, and that's how they found Dan Girardi. who went on to have say what you will about Dan Girardi. He had an amazing NHL career. Especially mm-hmm. for how he started and how he got to the NHL, and uh, nothing but respect for who he is as a person and the way he played the game, and you know, <laughs> this contract notwithstanding. And I don't blame players for the contracts because if I was in the NHL, Tom, and I was a third line guy who was coming off a big year, and they're like, Mike, we want to give you six million a year for five years, I'll say, Yes, please. You know, I'll, I'll put some of that money towards the therapy that I'll need from people booing at me. But you take the money and you run, uh, especially in the, the world of sports where guys struggle so much to adapt to life after the game. I don't, I don't hold a grudge to any player who gets as much as they can out of uh, their general managers and their agents. So, Speaking of taking us, the money and run... Yeah, that brings us to sea land, right? Yeah, and before so you that... you walk us through the seas. I think... Uh, we uh, will take an ad break here. And, oh, uh, Tom's so smart. See, in the, in our chat, you wrote ad before C's, but I thought you meant AD before C's. Like you wanted to talk about one player who was, who was a D. That shows you where my brain is. My brain undoubtedly will be improved by this wonderful ad from our sponsor. So we're back uh, after an ad break uh, selling some type of product or service or... Who knows what, um, but, you know. Tom, I have a quick question. I have a, probably have a quick answer. How does it feel to be the Artemi Panarin to my Ryan Strom on this show? It feels quite good. <laughs> I am just dragging the show into the dirt. and You're, you too, you're too hard on yourself every week, and, uh, you know, it's yes. you do I a wanna, great job. I want to kiss you in the rain, Tom. You remember that song by Tattoo? Those two Russian girls? What the hell was it called? God damn it. Anyway, it was a weird... People remember, it's T-A-T-U. What the hell is that song? If someone remembers what that is, make sure you reply to, you know, a tweet when this eventually goes live. Oh, it's Um, All the Things She Said, or something. hmm. Anyway, I don't want to sing it, but... Someone out there is nodding, hearing me talk about this. Anyway, we're in Sealand, Tom, and you have to lead us into Sealand. So, I'll just read my list, and then you can offer okay, your yeah. your commentary or you know pushback. So, leaves me with the D land. I have Chris Kreider, Jacob Truba, Capo Caco, Brady Shea, Ryan Lindgren, Brendan Lemieux, and Ryan Strom. So that means Tom. That you have Brendan Smith and Mark Stahl as D's. And Brett Howden and Greg McKegg. I don't even want to grade Gregory McKeggery. He's more he's more of a like Greg McKegg is like having a big foot on the team. Is he really there, Tom? <laughs> I mean, so, he's b- played so, twenty eight games and somehow tw- I cannot believe he's yeah. played twenty eight games. Granted, he's played like five minutes for most of them, but he's here. Uh, 
Like, why him instead of Phil DiGiuseppe? I don't know. Why, why him instead of fucking Booney Evis? Yeah, or Tim Gettinger, or, you know, I mean, I guess... Especially Tim Gettinger. Tim yeah. Gettinger still has a goddamn chance. The man's six foot six. I just want him around. God damn it, Tom. I don't have any issue with your list. And that makes for uninteresting podcasts. Yeah, I mean, my lo- <laughs> my logic in this is... It's a Crider. Good, you have a good class of C's that I can't, like... I, I, like, Brendan Smith, I think you and I both agree, Brendan Smith is just not a winger. Yeah. And, but sorry, you're going to say, because I had Kreider as a B, you had Kreider as a C. I want to hear you talk about Kreider. So, Kreider, for the majority of the season, I think has been underwhelming. And That's, I yeah. posted That's very, something. Very yeah. fair statement. And I posted something over the weekend, um, just sort of looking at, because uh, Mika had posted something about the Heedle, Kreider, and Buchnevich line in comparison to how it's actually had more ice time than you know the proper you know KZB line. So I just sort of posted you know some charts from Evolving Hockey um, of of those three players, and a lot of people thought. Buchnevich was Panarin. People thought Kreider were Strom, and a good amount of people recognized Hedl for being Hedl. Um, Chris Kreider's kind of fallen off a cliff, and even though he has 12 goals, 14 assists, 26 points, defensively he's not been the player he's been. On the power play, he's not been the player he's been in the past, and that's kind of troublesome for an expiring free agent who's going to be 29 and someone the Rangers have to think about keeping around. And given the great deal that he has, it's like, I don't know if you want to be a part of that. So I had him as a C for that reason. Yeah, he's turned it on as of late, but I have my questions of, is that something that is um, sustainable for the rest of the year? It's very fair. Like I... I don't know. I get, I lean towards giving Kreider a break, I think, just because I felt like, for the most part, I feel like if anyone was a casualty of Zabanajad's injury and the Rangers feeling out their lines, I felt like Kreider was the guy. And this season, you and I talked about this a lot heading into the season, Tom, where you have this awkward reality with, with whether or not the Rangers should extend Kreider, where you have Panarin is the highest paid left winger in the game. Mm-hmm. Chris Kreider plays the left wing. Yeah. Like, there's no escaping the reality that Chris Kreider is going to suffer one way or another because Panarin is here, whereas the Rangers as a whole uh, will benefit. And, like, if if push came to sub, shove, I'd put him in the B minus C plus, like, right in there. But I can't pretend you're not making perfect sense to me. Like... The reason I even said when I pushed Kreider into B, like I said, really buoyed by his most recent play because, like, before the last couple weeks when he wasn't, when he wasn't like a non-factor, he was invisible at times, and like you just watched him, you're like, Chris Kreider's in this game, right? Like, what the hell's going on? And I was sweating bullets, frankly, because I'm just like, of all the years for Kreider to have this low of a start. 
Like, he's always been a slow start guy, and he's had, you know, scoring streak, you know, inconsistency issues throughout his career, really. But the year where it's everyone knows you're getting traded, and you're, you're playing like this on a team that essentially is like a, a traveling yard sale, the New York Rangers, it just it made me so anxious. And, yeah, I get it, dude. He probably does belong in the Sealand. I agree. Because before the All-Star break last year, which was 48 games, he had 22 goals and 37 points. Um, So I don't think he's going to score 10 goals in the next seven games. And if he does, God bless him. Uh, God blesses everyone if he does that. Oh, yeah. It It would be great. I mean... Tiny Tim would be tap dancing. He would have a very Merry Christmas. I can't believe Christmas has already come and gone. This year is fucking cruising. I mean, this yeah. season, because it's the start of a new year. It feels, it, it's weird, because it feels like, and especially this year, because of how odd the Rangers' schedule was, where there were all of these breaks, and they've just sort of caught off all of a sudden, and it's going to be another weird month because of the All-Star break, so that they have eight games the rest of the month, um... You know, so it's. Uh, oh, just... I meant to ask you. Well, we, I don't think we ever touched on this. We may have briefly. Panarin is an all-star, uh, obviously. But mm-hmm. do you think Mika gets enough votes? I think he might. Um, it seems like there's been a lot of activity about it with the team and players and fans being vocal about it. Um, I think. Taravainen's going to be tough competition just because of how well he's played. Um, but I hope so. It, it would be nice to see uh, Zibanejad get recognized. And if and he Tavo hadn't gotten hurt, have, yeah, yeah, he probably would have will also luck. have the Blackhawks fans pulling for him, I'm sure, because he's a popular player there. Too. That's a good point. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a fun one because to me, like, when your team is where the Rangers are outside the playoff picture in a rebuild... These are the years you want to send guys to the All-Star game because if they get hurt, honestly, in the big picture, it might help things. <laughs> as terrible as that is. like it, it's You don't want, when you're like a cup contender, you don't want your you know starting goaltender to be doing the breakaway relay and making crazy saves he doesn't have to to entertain people you know, in it, who are watching a skills competition and not making any sound whatsoever. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, that'll be fun. Um, and then because you walked us through the seas, I think I said I'll walk us through the D land. But you have, you know, just from the guys who are left at the bottom of the bin here, um, we have Brett Howden. Mm-hmm. We have Gregory McEggery. Um, if do we want to? I mean, Haley, I think would just be F. Yeah, F. He's, he's, he's 18 games, so whatever. Um, uh, Brendan Smith, I think you and I are both on the same page with Brendan Smith. Just, he is not a winger. Um, I've seen people write and say otherwise. I know there's even a feature on him uh, about like adjusting to life playing forward and adjusting his game, but I, I don't know. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, that kind of does it. Uh, the only... You know, I, I, I might... Capo Caca was so hard for me, but I would I would not put him in the in the D category. Um, 
the reason being is I I see a lot of his struggles as a part of one and I know people roll their eyes those who are tired of people making excuses for Kako but I see deployment as an issue but also a lot has been said and written Tom about how hard this kid is on himself mm-hmm if you have yeah. David Quinn as your coach, isn't it part of his job to get through to these fucking kids and to, like, work with them on stuff like this? Because yeah. if he's not doing that, and he's all about the only stat I care about is winning, what's going on there? Like, I, I want... He's supposed to be a... We brought him in to be a guy who could develop these players into young men, you know, these kids, teenagers, and, you know, guys who are just turning 20, guys in their early 20s, and make them professionals. And I know Capo Caco had the weight of the world on his shoulders, and it's clear that, you know, like a lot of human beings, he has let that weight crush him down a little bit. Um, and he's perceived the pressure to be arguably bigger than it has been because I don't think Ranger fans are being hard on him at all, which is a very good thing that I encourage everyone to. Uh, continue is to not crap all over Capo Caco, but I want the coaching staff to, to work with the kid on his confidence and that like the you know the kid line was great and then Caco took a bad offensive zone penalty and then what does David Quinn do Tom? Benches him. Yeah and I and feel like he had two points he had a goal and assist and he benches him. Well yeah and part of it is also in Kako had a rough start to the to the season, which yeah. kind of deflates his overall numbers, but he's picked it up as of late, and it's not like he's the only young kid who's struggling at the NHL. Uh, Kirby Doc, for example, his last 22 games, one goal, zero assists, 30 shots on goal, 48.3, five-on-five Corsi, 47.1, five-on-five expected goals for. Um, so it's not just Kako. And I think one of the biggest difference is between, say, him and Hughes um, is that Kako is a winger, so he's more dependent on his center, where Hughes is someone who has a center. He's going to have the puck more, whether it's bringing it up the ice, looking to make plays. So yep. he's able to facilitate or... Um, you he has know, a little he, more control over right. what's happening to him yeah. than Kako, Kako does. Because, you know, like you said, in the center position, you're going to see the puck more often. Uh, I went to a Devils game on New Year's Eve, and I had two takeaways. One was that Hughes was really quick, and he was definitely playing in the, on the perimeter, which didn't surprise me because, you know, he is a smaller guy. The other big takeaway I had, which we'll save for hopefully next week's guest, uh, Tom and I are trying to line up some guests uh, to make the new year fun, is, good God, P.K. Subban looks slow, but we'll save that for next week. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, it's, a, it's very different between those two guys, and I think... Uh, People might say they've both been underwhelming. I, I don't know, Tom. They're both playing for such bad teams. I, I, I don't want to judge either of them too harshly. Well, yeah, and if anything, you could look at Kako as being the most successful 18-year-old to play for the New York Rangers. I believe, what was it, he just passed uh, Manny Malhotra? For... Manny Malhotra, that's right. I remember that little tidbit. It was fun. 
God. Yeah. The days of Manny Malhotra. Yeah, and God I mean, he's got 16 points. I, I forget what we said during the preseason, but, you know, anything he does this year is experience, and he's going to come back next year, and he'll be 19 years old, and he'll still be young in this league, uh, being able to learn. So, um, yeah, it's... There were a lot of expectations. I, I think a lot of it was the whole, you know, Kako played overseas with men and uh, Hughes played, um, you know, we against set all kids. the records with the, uh, yeah. the national development team and, you know, the bar was set so high from there. And then, of course, there are people saying, you know, there's uh, some evidence suggesting that it's problematic to go from the national development team straight to the NHL for a lot of guys. But the thing that's is so interesting to me about Capo Caco, frankly, is like, hey, you know, he's he's definitely struggled. We can't pretend he's not struggled. I just, I don't think anyone is, like, you know, sweating over this just because the reality for the Rangers is they don't have a good team. And they definitely, I think when you end up on the third line as a skilled guy, on this team, you're in a lot of trouble because, like, the best case scenario for someone like Capo Caco is he's playing with, you know, like Philip Hedl and Brendan Lemieux. But right now, it's he's playing with Philip Hedl and, uh, you know, Brett Houghton, which, you know, that's a fun line on paper. And I'm sure it's a fun line to play with on, like, NHL 20, but it's, uh, it's not necessarily as, you know, putting him in a position to succeed, especially for a guy who the coaches want to build up his confidence. Anyway, um, I think we did it, Tom. We walked through everybody. That's the roster. Um, so, you know, a handful of A's and, uh, you know, a lot of B's and C's and then only a couple D's. But, you know, a lot of things can change between now and the end of the season. Uh, I guess, you know, before... We read off our, our patrons, Tom. Did you have any major takeaways from uh, the Worlds? I didn't have many. Um, it was, you know, a shame that the U.S. didn't make it that far. Um, would have liked to see a little bit more of uh, Keandre and Zach Jones. Um, you know, good on uh, Lundqvist and Henriksen getting a medal. But, yeah. I, other than that, I, I didn't pay as much attention into it as I have in uh, recent years um, to yeah, offer. I had, yeah, I had games on in the background while I worked a lot, so I was aware of everything going on, but I didn't get to watch a lot of the hockey, which made me sad. Um, but I know Corey Pronman thought that one of the surprises of the tournament was Team USA's defense was not that great, which... Of course, is noteworthy and relevant to us because the Rangers had two defensemen on that defense with Zach Jones and Keandre Miller. Um, I don't think it can be overstated how good Nils Lundqvist played. Uh, he finished with a goal and seven assists in seven games, which we categorize that under very, very good, Tom, in, in our books. And, uh, you know, Nico Gross, you know, I, it's not surprising that Switzerland wasn't terribly, uh, you know, didn't really stand out on a lot of radars, but I, I thought Nico Gross did fine early in the season in the OHL. Like, he had like a roaring start to the season. Remember, um, he's come back down to earth a bit. Uh, but you know, maybe 
I remember Adam writing like maybe this guy is playing him his way into an you know an ELC, but we'll have to see. He's definitely one of those guys to keep an eye on, um, especially because the def the situation on defense for the organization as a whole is just so. It's just such a it's just such a labyrinth, Tom. I like it's so hard to figure out what this defense looks like three four years from now. Um, but yeah, I mean it's uh it was a. Overall, I would say it was a positive Worlds for the Rangers prospects. Uh, Zach Jones finished with a goal and assist in five games. Uh, you know, nothing too crazy. Um, and Keandre Miller uh, in five games, just two assists and two penalty minutes. So, you know, it wasn't the strongest just in terms of the stat line, but it is what it is. I'm not too worried. I know a lot of people are anxious about Keandre Miller this season, but I still think... Uh, Five games is nothing to get too worked up about. Yeah, it's a short tournament, so it's you don't want to read too much into it because, like we say all the time, you know, it's sample size important, and you know, it's players that are literally it's a roster that's just thrown together. So, yep. And here's a roster that's not thrown together, Tom, because these are people I would pick to be on my team any goddamn day. Adam Nahoek, Aiden Gaspar, Andre Chikagov, Arch Williams, Bob Kawa, Bobby Callahan. Can't believe I changed my name for Joe. Uh, Chris Abibi, Chris O'Connor, Craig Lachlan, Dan Crozy, Danny Santiago, David L. Singer, Eric Carlson, Fancy Lawrence, Igor Zaslavsky, James Dangles, Jermaine Francis, Jordan Sassone, Keith Franchillo, Kyle Napolitano, Michael Canick, Michael Silvers, uh, Stieg Bjolbach, Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Rob, The Tin Man, Toy from Manhattan, and Trevor Kempner. Uh, thank you all very much. If I missed anyone this week, that's because uh, the Patreon list decided to uh, just be annoying and was malfunctioning a little bit. So if I missed anyone, I apologize. I hope I didn't. Thank you. We got a couple of new patrons. Uh, since our last show, so thank you all very, very much. We appreciate that. Spread the word. Tell your friends about uh, the podcast uh, with Mike and Tom, where Mike just, whether or not he's intending to ruin the show is, is anyone's guess, but he's certainly talking, and so is Tom. Uh, we have a lot of fun doing the show for you guys. Yeah, I have a lot of fun, and uh, for you patrons out there who are listening, I uh, put up a note uh, on our on the site, uh, sort That's of right. asking for feedback. So if you could take a look at that and uh, you know respond in the thread or send a private message, uh, all of your thoughts, positive, negative, everything in between is uh, extremely helpful to me and Mike. Yes. <laughs> Yes, it is, Tom. All right. I think we're good. We got we to gotta do off the post. Thank you for listening, and uh, I'll talk New to you Year. again next week. Happy New Year. Bye-bye.